Now we're going to see if this reaches. Not quite. But we'll see how we go. So turn with me to Psalm 126. You might need to scroll there. Uh, Psalm 126, middle of your Bible, more about. I want to talk to you about dreaming again. Dreaming again. Oh, Jess, this has got a lot longer table. I'm going to switch over. This is a song of a sense similar to what uh, Bevan described earlier. And it, and it says this from verse 1. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. It's true. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. So restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying the harvest sheaves with them. So, Father, we pray this word would speak to us now in Jesus' name. So, I've got a question for you. Have you ever found yourself needing to find courage to begin again? This is the longest period in my life since I turned 20 that I have not preached in person to people over seven months. And I found myself a little bit like, you know, sure, I, I preached to a phone and, um, and I prayed a lot trying to, you know, make that sort of like uh, as meaningful and as connected as I possibly could. But there was a sense in which this week I was kind of thinking to myself, how are we going to make this connection? How are we going to land this thing? Because I was needing to start something again. Have you ever found, you know, something you were able to do, something you were familiar with, and then it was taken from you, or it ended, or it stopped? I think worship leaders who uh, have to lead worship again after a while are familiar with this. Teachers who haven't taught for a while, and uh, certainly preachers who haven't preached for a while. But maybe it's something so much more significant and something happened that has caused life as you know it to be disrupted and dislocated, whether by disappointment or failure. And you've had to start something. Maybe literally it feels like I have to start my life all over again. Now, this psalm is, and we're going to unpack it over two weeks, but... It is a brief picture of some of the key realities around a time of new beginnings, a time of restoration. So it says, when the Lord restored our fortunes, and then in the middle of the psalm, interestingly, it switches to restore our fortunes. Now you'd think, you know, you're supposed to have the psalm where it starts off and says, 
Lord, we're asking that you restore our fortunes. And then you get to the end and it says, when the Lord restored our fortunes. Isn't that a wonderful answer to prayer? But this time goes the other way around. God has restored fortunes. And now people are praying that God will restore fortunes. And uh, we'll see more next week. But I just, uh, you're never at a place where you're not, in spite of a great work from God, still asking God, more Lord, more Lord. And you've done restoration, more Lord. You've, You've broken through and you've changed our story, more Lord. So, I want you to listen carefully. This, this psalm is absolutely jam-packed, like my granny's tomato jam, squeezed into the bottle like you couldn't get any more out with, with wonderful imagery. I'm going to list some of this, and then you're going to turn to one or two people near you and tell them which image speaks to you and why right now. Okay, so imagery like dreaming, laughing, shouts and songs of joy, Restoration, main theme of the song. Desert streams, sowing seed, tears, weeping, laughing, carrying seed and then carrying the harvest. Even more shouts and songs of joy. Turn to someone and and tell them which image connects with you and why. You're going to have to do a little bit of moving around or talking or finding people or whatever. I'm going to give you a few minutes. Turn to the person, tell them which of those images connects with you and why. Okay. Now, now this psalm also describes a reluctant world acknowledging the work of God. It was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. And then it's like an emphasis, but the Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. So there's this, this sense of witness to what seems to be a little bit of a reluctant admission on the part of the world, aren't they blessed? <laughs> Isn't this a good thing? Now, if this psalm consisted only of the first three verses, you would imagine that our only responsibility when God is doing restoring work is to recognize it and be grateful. And so you sing songs of joy, and this word for songs of joy actually is very demonstrative. It's definitely not COVID compliant. You're supposed to be shouting and making a huge bucket load of noise. When, so there's like this big celebration that's inside of those words. Those shouts of joy. Make a joyful noise kind of uh, stuff going on there. And, and so we sing and we celebrate and we bear witness to the world and we are grateful. But the last three verses make it clear that when God starts working in restoration, it is our cue to begin working alongside him. Now, we're going to get to those last three verses next week. So this week, I want to talk about dreaming again. Dreaming again. When the Lord restored our fortunes, we were like, isn't this just great? Uh, (laughs) When the Lord restored our fortunes, we were like those who dreamed. So let's set the scene, and then we're going to look at these verses. You see, after being conquered and overrun, placed under foreign rule, with their own nominal kings who, uh, who rebelled against the foreign rule and then tried to gain independence several times and were reconquered. And every time they were reconquered, 
the nation got into a deeper and deeper hole. Judah was eventually completely shattered and taken into exile in Babylon after the fall of Jerusalem in 587 BC. Babylon itself had in turn, in a subsequent 70-year cycle, fallen to the Medo-Persian Empire. And a, and, a, and a Persian king named Cyrus had given permission for the children of Judah to head back to uh, their land and resettle the land in Israel. The problem was that the land had become a wasteland. We read towards the end of 2 Chronicles, for example, that only the weakest, only the most vulnerable were left behind. The others had all died. The towns and cities had been slaughtered. The cream, the ruling, governing, uh, economic, political, intellectual class had all been taken off and made to serve the purposes of Babylon and, uh, and that particular empire. And so what we found in Israel, and this was described by the prophets in warnings that they brought, and then it actually happened, was as this land was almost instantly depopulated and left with people that were vulnerable and, and weak, the cities were without defenses or defenders. And so any group coming through could literally just plunder again and again and again. A city without walls. Well, there's that parable, that's, I mean, that proverb that says, a man without self-control is like a city without walls. Anybody can just get through. And so um, there's the city. The towns were reclaimed by the wild. The fields were not plowed, sown or harvested for a period of 70 years at least. A period scripture indicates was for a very specific reason. You see, the land had been denied its Sabbath cycles for about 490 to 500 years. One in every seven years, each piece of land was supposed to be given rest every seven years. And so there was supposed to be a Sabbath cycle in which the, the land could rest so that the people of God were living in harmony with God's creation and God's creation could produce its harvest in a sustainable way. This was part of creation care. And because the nation had not rested and not let the, re the land rest, God's logic was that you, you have denied 70 years of rest spread over the 500 years. And so this land will get its rest at my command and you'll be taken away so that you cannot work this land. And so that when you come back, you will respect and honor the creation that I have entrusted to you. And so the land and the creation was given rest from the impact of people for 70 years. It's quite a thought. What would happen all around us if creation were given rest from the impact of humankind for 70 years? And it's in this context then of being exiled, dislocation, dispossession, powerlessness, captivity, being made to work without reward for the advantage of your conquerors, of deep, deep personal impoverishment and loss of economic means and fortunes. This is where these people are at. And then we read this. 
when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. It's like a key moment. This is who we were. But now, God has begun to open the door. And it's, it's, and, and the alternate translation is when he brings back the captives. Now, so significant was this event of restoring the fortunes or bringing back the captives from exile that in the Hebrew language, those ideas literally became synonymous so that to say he brought back the captives means he has restored our fortunes. Literally now the same words are used in the Hebrew language. And translators actually debate which is the best way uh, to unpack this. When the Lord brought back the captives, when the Lord restored our fortunes, they mean the same thing because they, they describe one and the same event. And this psalm was sung especially as the people approached Jerusalem for worship. And it was teaching God's people many things. God was restoring them. They had the privilege the honor of worshiping together again. They could move up the mountain towards Zion to the place where God had put his name. God was bringing back the captives. God was turning around the economy and their fortunes. God was giving them another chance. God was enabling his people to begin again when the Lord restored our fortunes. Theologian Tom Wright said, has said of the worldwide COVID lockdown that the church is experiencing something of a COVID, an exile itself. We were denied access, still in a sense denied access, removed from her place of worship, watching the economic engines shut down, watching things lie fallow and untouched, watching literally as animals moved back into cities and as pollution levels dropped to their lowest in decades, but nevertheless forced into isolation and dislocation. And we, like the land of Israel, have been forced to rest. Some of us. And now we need to recognize we've been given an opportunity for a new beginning. God has restored fortunes. God is changing the season. And so the second half of the, uh, the psalm is going to talk about a new season that begins. But it's built on this idea that God has done something. And so we get a chance to begin again. But we need to begin differently. We get a chance to begin again, but we need to begin differently. And so when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. We need a new picture of what the world is and what we are in this new beginning. We need to dream again. It's time. And the dreams described here are not the dreams of the night, you know. Those things that pop up subconsciously and your brain is busy sorting out the, the bits and pieces that lie subliminally and it's pushing forward things to be sifted and sorted or whatever wishes and desires are, are subconsciously making their way into the bits and pieces of your mind's activity 
while you're fast asleep. These dreams are certainly not the nightmares of exile, of our worries and fears becoming torment. No, these dreams are the kind of dreams of those who, in Jeremiah's words, have a hope and a future. You know when you talk of dreaming, you can only dream because you have hope. These are dreams with your eyes wide open. And the people see what God is doing and they begin to dream again. Those who believe that what was once denied or in doubt or impossible, inconceivable, is once again on the table of possibility. You're going to get out your knife and fork and you're going to start consuming and dreaming and thinking of what this new beginning might mean for you. You see, dreaming like this is an act of rebellion if you're a captive and a slave. Because it's only the free who get to really dream. And when the Lord restores your fortunes, it's as though something of possibility comes alive for you and you're able to dream again. You see, dreaming like this is an act of faith. Dreaming like this recognizes we're standing at the beginning of a new season. Explore. Do you understand that if you're being restored to something, it's because God has got a new season in store for you? When the Lord restores, it's because he's got something fresh in store. So we'll come next week to explore a bit more, but let me keep going. God has restored us. We get to begin again. I don't know if you know, but this week the, they started announcing the 2020, uh, 2020 Nobel Prizes. And uh, so the Peace Prize went to one of the UN organizations. And the Science Prize went to people working on black holes for 30 years. And uh, the Literature Prize went to a poet, a Louise Gluck. And one of her poems carries the idea of finding this courage to begin again. The poem is called Snowdrops. It couldn't be a hardly more geographical and climatological difference to this one in Israel, which speaks of streams in the desert. But this, this poem describes a spring flower, a snowdrop, found in very cold climates. And after being buried under deep snow, these beautiful, delicate flowers in the springtime as the streams begin to flow, still surrounded, they somehow begin to push through the snow. And they have these beautiful white flowers with green all around them. And they're called snow drops because their petals hang. And it's such startling beauty in the midst of a season of recovery from such a harsh winter. And so Louise writes, Do you know what I was? How I lived? Do you know what despair is? Then winter should have meaning for you. 
I did not expect to survive. Earth suppressing me. I didn't expect to waken again. To feel in damp earth. My body able to respond again. Remembering after so long how to open again. In the cold light of earliest spring. Afraid? Yes. But among you again. Crying? Yes. Risk joy in the raw wind of the new world. Explore, are you willing, in the words of one of our contemporary poets, to risk joy in the raw wind of a new world? Something that seems so brave in this little flower to push its way through all that snow when it seemed so dead. Will you receive the grace to dream again? Will we fill our hearts with gratitude, step into the new thing? Or are we going to... You see, there were some people who were, the, who were from Israel who chose to stay behind in the land of disposition. They did not accept the grace of restoration. And we have to be careful as we walk into a new season that we don't let the season just pass, define us. We let that season teach us. We let that season train us. But we walk into a new season. We certainly don't stay in Babylon. And even if it seems impossible, we risk joy in the raw wind of the new world. And we must celebrate Find ways, yes, that are responsible and considerate in the context of the pandemic. But we mustn't only dream. We must allow ourselves to laugh and sing and shout for joy and have a jolly good party. You see, I know it's tough with a mask, but our mouths were filled with laughter. Now, now I've got to say, verses 2 and 3 were the verses that we chose to put on our wedding card. Psalm 126, 2 and 3. Our, now, our mouths are filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. It's said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. And the Lord has done great things for us. And we are filled with joy. And, and we chose them in that context because we were. We were just so happy and we were so aware of what God had done for us. But I've come to understand in the context of the psalm and in the context of our lives at the time that these words were in several ways very prophetic. You see, neither Cindy nor myself came from healthy homes. Cindy's childhood was damaged and undermined and almost destroyed by several addictions present in her household. And all the compensations and nonsense and stuff that goes on when there's a deeply addicted adult in the house. And so at times it was a place of chaos and at other times a place of denial. My own family had been eroded by severe mental illness and mental health issues, by subsequent unemployment and eventually divorce and the loss of our family home. And so for both of us, getting married was an act of faith. 
You see, and I, you need to hear me on this. Don't worry, guys. It's all good. Our marriage meant that we had to confront issues that weren't of our own making. Yet had the power to shape our lives going forward. We had to confront issues that weren't of our own making. We were just kids. That's the stuff that happened in our homes. We had to confront issues that weren't of our making, yet had the power to define our lives going forward. And getting married was an act of faith to dare to dream that that narrative didn't define our future. And we are now married for 28 years and 10 months and 11 days, babe. So we're still going good. And I am so glad I'm married to you. Um, we got married on the 1st of January. It makes it easier to calculate. <laughs> you see, we dare to believe that God can restore. And God can give you a new beginning. Just like that day on the 1st of January 1992 was an act of faith. I want to call you this morning to understand God is giving you the opportunity to step out in faith and to dare to believe that you're going to get something new as you position yourself for it. And I know. I mean, we have over this time had more than 20 families that the church has directly assisted financially during this time and a number of you are sitting right here and I want you to dare to dream again and believe that God will give grace in a situation where there is financial deprivation and loss some of you facing the loss of your homes I want you to dare to trust God in the face of the midst of it. Some of you have seen the cracks in the fabric of your family and of your lives, and I want you to dare to trust God for restor uh, restoration. Some of you have had to confront habits that have been dictating the future of your life, and some of you, like Cindy and I, are having to confront issues that were not of your own making. How much of this has been of our own making? But it still has the power to shape your life if you'll give it that power. And you want to say, no, I don't want to give it that power. See, when the Lord restored our fortunes, we were like those who dreamed. So I want you to close your eyes just for a moment. And I want you to just listen to your first thought when I ask you to ask God a question. Don't overthink it. Just let what comes to your heart as you pray. Father God, what do you want to restore to me today? Just ask him. Father God, what do you want to restore to me today? First thoughts. Don't overthink it. Just trust him to speak. And as you step into that space now, Reach towards your Father God who says, I know the plans I have for you. So this is what Jeremiah told him before the exile. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So that things done, whether by others or by you, no longer have the decisive say over your future and over the thing that God has just spoken to you about. Lord, what do you want to restore to me today? Now, 
If that thing seems impossible, just ask this question. Father, who do I need to forgive? For Israel, it was letting go of bitterness towards the nation that had carried them into exile. For others, it may be things that have left us powerless and it wasn't our choices. Sometimes it may just be things completely outside of your control. But what you don't want is anger or bitterness or resentment. Father, who do I need to forgive? And choose this morning in the name of Jesus to recognize what this has done and to forgive it in Jesus' name. And then, Father, we want to also repent. So often we begin to cooperate with this that would dispossess us and exile us. And we come today in the name of Jesus and we turn from those lies. And we turn ourselves back to the God of hope. And we receive again fresh faith to believe. In Jesus' name. Amen.